This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning and Happy New Year. And how many of you have broken your New Year's resolution so far? No? Nobody made any, did they? No, right, that's good. Do you know, I God is totally amazing. And the way he works sometimes just blows your mind. Over the last three weeks, we've had... Uh, let me start. I don't think I was meant to speak today because Ruth messaged me early in the week and asked me to do it. And I was fascinated by that. Because when I heard what Andrew had to say, and then I heard what Pastor Phil had to say, when I realised what God was telling me, I thought, wow, because you're going to hear the same message practically three times. You see, Andrew spoke on the narrow path. Get to know Jesus, right? Pastor Phil spoke on trusting in the Lord with all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. And that is trusting in Jesus, But what God showed me was, it's Proverbs 16, verse 9. And it says, um, I think Lee will put it up. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Another verse, it says, um, a man plans his ways, but God directs their path. And that is called hyperbole. Do you know that? So if God is telling you the same thing three times... (coughs) He seriously wants us to take notice of what he's saying, don't you think? You know, so get to know Jesus, trust in Jesus, and mine is, and become like Jesus. This is what God wants his church to know, I believe, at this time. Right? It's called Jesus said. See, when you hear the three times, Jesus always said, Barely, barely, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I tell you. It's emphasis. So I think God is emphasizing the same thing to us. Again and again and again. Three times. This is the path you're meant to walk. It's the path of Jesus. No other path. Every other path will take you off course. This is the only path we need. So let me start. You see, making plans is perfectly normal for us. Isn't it? Making plans is perfectly normal. Make your plans. Make your plans. It's good to have plans, you know. I'm not a great planner, actually. I'm a bit haphazard, a bit of a scatterbrain, you know, and um, I drive my husband totally crazy who's really organised. I'm not. So I'm not a planner. I don't make lists or do anything like that. So you can see, all my life is sort of lived by inspiration. But we can get things wrong in our plans. There's nothing wrong in making plans. But James 4 verse 13 tells us that actually what we should be saying isn't, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I'm going to spend a year there, there, and there. But if the Lord wills. Shakespeare puts it this way. There is a divinity that shapes our ends. All right? So you can plan what you like. And it's good to plan. But at the end of the day, it's up to God to bring it about. Right? So that's why you trust in him. And you don't lead to understanding. And you get to know him. So that when you're on this path, you have faith that God knows where he's taking you. Because the path sometimes is rocky. The path sometimes is stony. The path doesn't always 
good. Right? But God is. Right? God is always good. We love to throw up verses like Jeremiah 29. You know, I know the plans I have for you. No plans to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. We love throwing that out at people. But actually, the context of that verse is that they were in slavery. And the song that they were singing was, Oh, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Boniem. Yeah, Boniem was there and he was singing, How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That's it, right? That's what they were singing. And God tells them, You're going to be here for 70 years. But don't worry, I know the plans I have for you. It's not an instant fix to tell people I know the plans. God got plans for you. It's no instant fix. The 70 years that God had them in slavery, but he had a plan for them. I believe that for Wales, you see. I believe we're in slavery, but God's got a plan for us. Why might be the beginning or the end of it. Not the end of the plan. Yeah, the beginning of the plan. Sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? So don't throw things out because God's plan is huge for us. And this is the plan. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him. We stop there. Stop there. That's another thing we throw out to people, isn't it? All things work together for good to those who love God. Yeah, you'll be all right, all things. That's not the whole verse. Carry on. This is when all things work all together for good for you. Who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can we go on, Lee? Sorry, did I not... I'll read it from here. And we know all things work together because it's, 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 it's my fault. I only give Lee one verse, not the rest. But I'm hopeless giving verses. Do you know that? I give Lee a whole ream of verses, only use two. So put the <laughs> Is it up? Right. Right. And we know that all things work together for good who love God, whether called according to his purpose. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. That's us, by the way. That's us. Right? Then what shall we say? In no, no, I think we've gone on too much, Lee. Mind, I'll read it from here. This is my main verse, look, and I've got it all wrong. So I told you I was a scatterbrain. Romans 8, 28. Right. get there. The rest will be good. Calm down for this, and then the rest of it is going to be okay, I promise. Right. Romans 8, 28, right. And this is the mess. I've got the amplified now, right. So we are assured and know that all things work together for good and are fitting into a plan for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also destined from the beginning to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness, 
that he might become the firstborn among many brothers. That's the plan of God, that you and I may become like his son. Whatever path, whatever plan you have, God will see to it that on that path, he will mould you into the image of his son. With me? You see, we make it all about calling. We make it all about what we do. But actually, God's interested in building character in you. He's far more interested in building the character of Christ in you than in making you happy. And as Christians, sometimes we don't get that. We don't get that at all. But it's building Christ in you. That is what God wants to do. And you know, we have, we get so anxious about the plan of God in our lives. You know, what is my calling? Martin has said from up here, what are you asking me to do? Do you know what? Just live your lives. Just live your life. I don't care whether you're a carpenter or a politician, whether you're a painter or a pastor, whether you're a hairdresser or a bus driver or a shopkeeper, it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is, as you are walking your life, is the character of Christ being developed in you. Because wherever God has placed you, whatever job you do, wherever you find yourself, that character will show Christ to others and draw those people to Christ. That's the call on your life. You're not called. God isn't calling you. Hear me. Because this is confusing. Simply to work in church. That is not the call on your life. And we muddle people up when we say these things. Because people think that the only way that I can attain to this great call on my life is if I'm doing something in church. If I'm preaching. If I'm teaching in church. If I'm leading worship. If I'm leading YA. If I've got a role then that proves that God is calling me into something. And I believe that God calls to the church apostles, prophets, teachers, preachers, and evangelists. I think that's a call for people. But otherwise, live your life for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 says, you know, do all things for Christ. So it doesn't matter where you are. I've known kids crying because they thought they had displeased God because they had chosen the wrong course to take in college and that this God would be displeased with them. What type of God are we teaching them is out there? You know that he is this capricious, mean-spirited God that would punish a child for making a mistake. That's not your call. Your call is to be Christ-like. That's what he's leading us into. The path is the path of righteousness. Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's where you're called to be. And I don't care. I don't hold with people who say, you know, that you've got to do this job and that job. I just think live your life for the glory of God. You will fulfill the call on you. 
Are you with me? Don't get hung up on what you should do. You know? We're terrified of making choices. We're so frightened to do anything. Oh, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is right. God's going to punish me. He's not. He's not. And I'll prove it to you through scripture. I'll prove it to you through scripture. I love hanging the word on a man, you know, from here, because I think you see it more clearly. Clear more clearly. So we're going to talk about Abram and Lot. Abram was called, we read about it in Genesis, by the way, and I'm not going to read it, I'm going to paraphrase it. Abraham was called by God to leave his family and go to a land that he didn't know. Just go. Go. Leave them and go here. I'm not telling you where you're going to go. I'm not even going to show you how to get there. You just follow me. But he's told to walk before him and be blameless. 17.1. Walk before me and be blameless. So this is the righteous path Abraham tread. But he takes Lot with him. Now after a little while... Both families grow, and they quarrel. The servants quarrel. So they have to split and divide. And Abraham turns to Lot and says, you choose which way you want to go. Now, here's the character of Abraham, because Abraham was the patriarch, and he had the right to choose. But he hands that over to somebody else. Real faith will let somebody else make choices. You know, that affect you. And you'll still stay in faith. Can you understand that? See, we don't want that happening, do we? We don't want to be in Abram's position because what Lot did was he looked around. Now, part of it was fertile. Whoa, great land here, all green. The rest of it was stony. Lot chose the fertile ground. I'm going this way. Abram was left with the stony ground. But you see, man of faith, don't care how stony the path is. And God comes to Abram and says... I'll give you everything you can see. It's yours. The blessing immediate for Abraham. Because faith trusts God in the stony places. Lot. What happens to Lot? Well, in this fertile place, there were two cities. The most evil cities we've ever known of. Called, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot ends up in Sodom. And what happens then was that it becomes so evil, God has to send two angels to get him out. But in the meantime, he says this. I'm going to destroy these cities. How can I hide what I'm going to do from my friend Abraham? Can you imagine being called a friend of God in that way? Faith itself makes you a friend of God. If you trust him in all things, leave whatever he's telling you. Travel this path. Bring glory to his name. And he says, he's my friend. How can I not tell him? And Abraham prays for Lot. And he says, don't destroy the city even if there's ten, would you? Don't destroy it if there's nine righteous men. He goes down and he says, would you destroy it even if there's one righteous man? And God says, no. So Lot is saved. He comes out. And this is what I want to tell you. Abraham was blessed because he had faith. Right? 
He's called the father of faith. But Lot is rescued. Your mistakes don't keep you out from the blessings of God. And that's what we think happens. We think I've made a mistake and I've ended up in a place I don't want to be. I have been there. I've ended up. I've made mistakes. I've ended up in a place I really shouldn't be many, many years ago when I wasn't walking with the Lord. All right? But this is what it says in Romans. God knows how to rescue the godly from all trials and temptations. And it says, Lot was a righteous man. His heart was grieved when he saw what was happening in this place. He made a mistake, but when he saw the sin, he was grieved by it, and he was called a righteous man. I've always thought he was a selfish man for choosing the best way, but it was a mistake. And you know what? We all make mistakes, and it doesn't put you outside of God's blessings. Do you get that? Because so many of us think that I've done it now. I've made, I've made this mistake. And sometimes that's preached. But your mistakes, God can rectify. That's how good he is. That's what grace is all about. And when you understand grace, when you've experienced grace, when I came back to the Lord and experienced his grace on taking me back again, I felt I'd been born again again. Nothing I was going to separate me from him. Nothing. And believe me, in my life, things have tried to separate me from him. I've had to fight for my faith. I'm not speaking to you out of some theory. I'm speaking to you out of my, out of my practicality. I know what it's like to be in the wrong place. I know what it's like to be rescued. I know what it's like to have to struggle to keep my faith when everything on earth was trying to take it away from me. I know what it's like. God does it because he promises that's what he'll do. All things work together for good to those who love God. And if you love him and want to obey him, he'll move heaven and earth to make you what you're meant to be. Are you with me? Do you get what grace is? Do you get it? Do you get that God never leaves you? He's always with you. He directs your path. He lights your path. He guides you on your path. Do you get that? Do you get that Jesus is praying for you now? Praying for you right this minute. And that the Holy Spirit is within you, empowering you to become what he wants you to become. That's what God is. This isn't some dry, old, boring message. It is the message of grace where God says, I will make you what I want you to be. Romans, not Romans, sorry, Philippians, where he tells us, he who began a good work with you will continue it until the day of Christ. He won't take his hands off you. He will not take his hands off you. He won't leave you. He will do it. And it's all about him. It's all about him. It's nothing to do with us. And you know, when we want to bask in his glory, because look what God has done, oh, and you know, I'm preaching here, and they can say how good I am. You know, I'm leading this worship. And I'm, you know, when we bask in glory that should be his, we have no right to. 
no right to, because I can't do any of this on my own. That's what grace shows you. It's impossible. You can't even have faith unless I give it to you. You read the verse out. Even that faith you've got is a gift. Don't brag about ourselves. We're nothing in the great scheme of things. We're only what God can do through us. And he asks us to do amazing things. And you know what? He trusts us to do amazing things. Wow! When I think of how he trusts me, the patience he's had with me, you know, the fact that his mercies are new every morning for me, how can I ever then look around and judge anybody else? How can I judge people when God has every right to judge me harshly but chooses not to? You know, how can we look at people and criticize, and I mean with a mean spirit, you know, when God has so right to criticize me, but he doesn't, he doesn't. He loves us so much. And when we get that his love means, I will make you what I want you to be. I will build my son's character in you. You know, and he'll use any means to do it, which is why sometimes we find ourselves in the stony ground, isn't it? We find ourselves in positions and circumstances that we really don't want to be in. Those horrible circumstances. Those dreadful circumstances. Right? But all things work together for good. I've been there too. I've been there too. I've been there when the worst thing you can possibly think would happen has happened. When the one thing I never thought I'd experience, I experienced. I couldn't... How do, you, how do you marry that with the God of love? Do you know what? He takes you through it. He brings you through it, recognizing that his love was even greater than you thought it was before. He never lets us down. He never lets us down. And as we walk this path of righteousness, it's all for him. It is nothing to do with us for his name's sake. We walk this path of righteousness. And the path that we led down is the path of love. Righteous living always ends up in love. Faith worketh by love. And faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. And righteousness always ends in love. Are you with me? Can you see where God has taken us from trusting faith to love? Because that's the end of everything, is love. There is nothing else supersedes love. And I'm talking about God's love in us being made manifest to man. I'm not talking about human love. Oh, love. We're not doing that. Although love is nice, isn't it? It is nice. I'm sorry. I'm not making much jokes, but then I, I, I feel I need to, so there we go. <laughs> Tough if you like it. But can you see, it always ends in love because God is love. And if we come in more like Jesus, we will become more like him in love. And it's the way we deal with people, you know? And... 
John Piper says something um, that when I looked at it, I thought, oh, gosh, that's exactly how I felt for ages. So when you read something, you think, you've, you've, you've put in a nutshell what I've always felt. And I'll read out what he says, and I'll try and take it apart for you, because it's to do with love. This is what he says. The paths of righteousness, and I, I love John Piper, by the way. He's one of my, if I really want to know what something means, this is where I go. So he says, the paths of righteousness are paths of love. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, let everything, everything, you know, your job, wherever you find it, your walk, as you walk this righteous path, wherever you find yourself, wherever you're doing, let all things be done in love. Love means seeking the benefit of our brother or neighbor. And this is what he says, and it's interesting. What I found was that it is possible to speak of love toward men in such a way that God drops out of the picture. It is possible to begin to justify your life solely on the basis of how much good you do to men. Are you with me? And gradually, the difference between a Christian and a humanistic ethic disappears. Not because humanists have become God-centered, but because Christians have become man-centered. Isn't that amazing? That's deep. That's very deep. I understand some of you may think, what is she talking about? But I think what it means is we get so taken up with the doing good and helping mankind and doing good for this one and doing good for that. Now, as Martin read, we're all created to do good works in Christ Jesus, right? But when we get solely taken up in doing good, we sometimes think that doing good is being God, right? And it's not. It's not. Loving God, obeying God, Faithfulness, having faith in God, becoming more like Christ is love. And out of that flows what you do for other people. You do it to the glory of God. I've always said we take care of people's needs, but if they're going to die and go to hell, and you haven't mentioned Jesus to them, then you haven't much done them much good. With me? So sometimes we take Christ out of the picture and just say, this is love. But real love is only when Christ is the center of the picture. Got me? So never think that good works are the same. They're not. They're not. It's humanism. And humanism does a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of charities out there who do amazing stuff. And Martin's brother-in-law is doing 12 months of a month um, charity, isn't it? Every month there'll be a different charity that he is um, doing stuff for, really, and collecting, isn't it, for different charities. People do amazing things out of humanism. That's not Christianity. Can you see the difference? And some of us are thinking, and I know, because you think, well, what's the difference? The difference is Christ. The difference is Christ. The call in the church is to get people to Christ. You know, fill their bellies, yes, but get them to Christ more. Get them to Christ. 
so that they'll have a heavenly perspective on life. That will change their life. And we have to help them. Have I made sense? I'm sorry, that spoke to me. Maybe I shouldn't, but I... So, if we follow God as he directs us on this path, trusting him, knowing him, and trusting him, we will learn to obey him. And that means love. Because Jesus says, if you obey me, you love me. All right? That's when we know our obedience to what he says is a sign how much we love him. And this path isn't always easy. Isn't all, and we are going to be in some stony ground sometimes. But God is with us. God is for us. And I don't know how to get it across to you enough, you know, that he is with you, longing for you to succeed on your path. And whenever difficulties you come across are not there to hamper you, they're not there to, to knock you back, they're actually there to propel you forward. Now, when you're in the middle of some rough times, I don't expect you to see that. But believe me, from my experience, that's what happens. That's what happens. And Abraham, in that stony path, had the blessing of God on him. You look. You look. Don't look at the stones. You look forward. Don't look at anything else. You look forward and you look to me. Because I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to do everything you want for me. If you delight in me, there's the promise. Do you know how many times I've been told you will see everything you want come to pass? That's been prophesied over me three times. It's a long time coming, right? But I believe with all my heart, like Abraham, that what God has promised, he is able also to perform. And that's where you hold your hope. You walk this path. You obey him on the path. It's the righteous path where you become more like Christ. And you will end up successful before God. You might not be successful before men, but you will be successful before God. So, faith works by love. Faith is credited as righteousness. And righteousness ends always in love. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.